Hello, this is Nikdha from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 17th of August. With 941 casualties in the last 24 hours, the death toll in India due to COVID-19 topped 50,000 today. Close to 58,000 new cases were reported in the country, taking the total tally to more than 26 lakhs. At least 19 lakh have recovered, while over 6.7 lakh are still active cases. The Ministry of Health said that India has conducted more than 3 crore tests so far. The ministry said, and I quote, enhanced and timely testing is not only keeping the positivity rate low, but also the fatality rate low, unquote. The Supreme Court has dismissed a petition to postpone the national eligibility come entrance test and joint entrance examination amid the coronavirus outbreak. The court ruled that the two examinations would be held in September as per the schedule. The Army Hospital in New Delhi said in a statement that former President Pranam Mukherjee, who underwent brain surgery, continues to remain in a critical condition and is on ventilator support. Mukherjee had also tested positive for COVID-19. Meanwhile, Trinamool Congress MLA Samaresh Das, who had tested positive for COVID-19, died in a hospital in West Bengal's East Midnapur district. Veteran playback singer SP Bala Subramaniam too continues to be on life support in ICU. The musician had tested positive for COVID-19 on August 5th. Maharashtra Health Minister Rajesh Tope said that four people at NCP chief Sharad Pawar's residence have tested positive for coronavirus. However, Tope said that Pawar's test results were negative, but he will not be going on any state tours for the next few days. The Sabri Mala Temple in Kerala opened today for prayers, but devotees will not be allowed in due to the COVID-19 outbreak. The Travancore Devaswam Board, which manages the hill shrine, said that the temple will remain open till August 21st and only the usual rituals will be conducted. Meanwhile, the Rajasthan High Court has suspended all work starting from Monday after Chief Justice Indrajit Mahanti tested positive for COVID-19. The chairman of the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Information and Technology, Congress MP Shashi Tharoor, has said that the committee will look into the Wall Street Journal's report on Facebook's flexible hate speech rules for India, especially the governing party BJP. In case you missed yesterday's episode of Daily Dose, we talked about how, according to the Wall Street Journal's recent report, Facebook's top public policy executive in India, Anki Das, did not apply hate speech rules to at least four individuals and groups linked to the BJP who had been flagged internally for promoting or participating in violence. The report had said that Facebook India's Anki Das had told staff members that punishing violations by BJP politicians would damage the company's business prospects in India, which happens to be Facebook's biggest global market in terms of number of users. Referring to the hate speech by Telangana BJP MLA T. Raja Singh that allegedly called for violence against minorities, the report cited current and former Facebook employees as saying that Das's intervention was part of a broader pattern of favoritism by the company towards the governing party. Citing the report, the Congress on Sunday had demanded a joint parliamentary committee probe into the matter. Tharoor said, and I quote, I will certainly look into the issue and the committee will seek the views of Facebook. Unquote. Sources said that the committee will write to Facebook demanding an explanation and is also like to summon the social media company. Addressing a press conference, Congress spokesperson Ajay Makan said, and I quote again, We want to ask the BJP, tell us Rashmi Das, who was the president of ABVP's JNU unit, what is her relation with Anki Das, Facebook India's public policy director, 
How is she related to her? Unquote. The party also asked why the centre was afraid of an investigation by a joint parliamentary committee and said that the Minister of Law and Justice, Ravi Shankar Prasad, could also be a part of the panel. Prasad had lashed out at Rahul Gandhi, calling him a loser. Gandhi had tweeted earlier, and I quote, BJP and RSS control Facebook and WhatsApp in India. They spread fake news and hatred through it and use it to influence the electorate. Unquote. At the virtual press conference, Congress's data analytics chief Praveen Chakravarti said that the party had on many occasions raised concerns about Facebook's functioning. He said, and I quote, We had many formal meetings with the company in India and the US. Unquote. Meanwhile, the Congress party's demand for a joint parliamentary committee probe has also set off a debate within the party. A party leader said that a joint parliamentary committee would mean that the BJP would decide on the chairperson. A Congress leader asked, and I quote, Why should there be a JPC when it is very much the responsibility of the IT committee to look into the issue? Unquote. The intense criticism of how platforms handle misinformation, hate and fake news, often to the point of their algorithms abetting it, has pushed them to have comprehensive content moderation guidelines. YouTube has community guidelines, Twitter's got rules and policies, while Facebook puts it as community standards. These so-called guidelines are essentially a rulebook that platform content moderators, both human and AI, follow to block, flag, hide, demote and remove any content. From fake news and misinformation to child pornography, the ambit for moderation pretty much covers everything. However, both Facebook and Twitter have a newsworthiness exception to their moderation guidelines. In order to serve public interest, content that would otherwise be taken down will continue to stay if it is from a politician or a world leader. To know more about content moderation on social media platforms, do read the May 31st edition of Chitranshu's newsletter on newslaundry.com. It is titled, Stop Press, Platforms and Content Moderation, Who Draws and Defines the Line? Listeners, as you all might know, News Laundry is a 100% ad-free news platform that is supported by its readers and listeners. We are of the firm belief that news cannot serve true public interest if it is dependent on big companies and the government for ad revenues. So, if you want us to bring you more incisive content like this, here is a request. Go to our website, check out the stuff we do, and if you think we are doing a good job, hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website and become a proud supporter of independent news. A policeman and two CRPF personnel have been killed in a militant attack in Jammu and Kashmir's Baramulla district. The militants opened fire at security personnel manning a checkpost. The area has been cordoned off and a search operation is underway to nab the militants. On the eve of Independence Day, militants also targeted a police party in Srinagar, leaving two policemen dead and another injured. Today's attack was the latest in a string of attacks carried out by militants on the army, police, paramilitary forces and political activists across the valley over the last four months. The attacks also signal a shift in the militants' focus from south to north and central Kashmir. On Friday morning, militants appeared at Nogam neighbourhood in Srinagar and opened indiscriminate fire at a police party, leaving three policemen injured, of whom two died. Official figures have revealed that militants have carried out at least 30 attacks on security forces and political activists in the valley since April 1st. At least 12 security personnel and 6 political activists have been killed and 19 injured in these attacks. 
Of the 30 militant attacks since April 1st, at least 12 have been in North and Central Kashmir. Security forces have also lost a number of personnel in gunfights initiated during cordon and search operations. The Uttar Pradesh government has extended the detention of Dr. Kafil Khan under the National Security Act by another three months. This is in relation to his allegedly provocative speech during the Anti-Citizenship Amendment Act protests in Aligarh Muslim University. Khan was arrested in January this year. It is the second time that his detention has been extended by another three months under the stringent law, and this time beyond August 13th. Under the National Security Act, people can be detained without a charge for up to 12 months if authorities are satisfied that they were a threat to national security or law and order. In an order dated August 4, 2020, the UP Home Department said that the NSA was invoked against Khan on February 13, 2020 on the orders of the Aligarh District Magistrate. The order said, and I quote, The matter was then sent to the Advisory Council, which, in its report, said that there are enough reasons to keep Khan in jail, following which orders were given on May 6, 2020, to extend his detention under the NSA by three months, that is, till August 13, 2020. Unquote. According to the report of the UP Advisory Council and the report obtained from the District Magistrate of Aligarh, Governor Anandi Ben Patel used the powers vested in her and directed the detention of Kafil Khan to be further extended by three more months. As a result, Kafil Khan will remain in jail till November 13th this year. According to the FIR registered against him, his speech threatened to disrupt the harmony between communities and was also likely to create a law and order situation. Khan had hit the headlines for the first time in 2017 after the death of several kids due to the lack of oxygen at Gorakhpur's Baba Raghavdas Medical College where he worked as a paediatrician. To know more about what had happened, do read Manoj Singh's report from 2017 titled Gorakhpur Tragedy. Medical College knew it was running out of oxygen but did nothing about it. You will find the report on newslaundry.com. Heavy rain in Telangana and parts of Andhra Pradesh since Friday has left many villages flooded and several urban areas experienced heavy water logging on Sunday. The Indian Med Department's bulletin on Saturday afternoon said that the heavy rain was a result of a low-pressure area over north coastal Odisha and adjoining areas of northwest Bay of Bengal and the Gangetic West Bengal. The bulletin said, and I quote, It is very likely to move northwestwards and weaken gradually during the next 48 hours. A fresh low-pressure area is likely to form over the North Bay of Bengal around August 19th. Unquote. Two major rivers, Krishna and Godavari, along with their tributaries, have been in spate forcing irrigation department authorities to open sluice gates of some dams and barrages to discharge water, causing floods in low-lying areas. In Telangana's Warangal town, many colonies have been submerged due to heavy rain since Friday night. Following an SOS message from the Warangal administration, the Greater Hyderabad Municipal Corporation sent three disaster response force teams to Warangal on Sunday, along with boats and other equipment to rescue people caught in the flood water and shift them to safer areas. Chief Minister K. Chandrasekhar Rao has asked officials to be on high alert for any incidents of flooding. Two control rooms are being set up in Hyderabad, two choppers have been deployed for rescue operations. The chief minister said that there was a threat of inundation due to overflowing tanks in Warangal and Karimnagar. According to a report published in Telangana today, a minimum of 6,000 people were rescued in Warangal district who were later shifted to relief centres. 
Another 3,500 people were moved to 13 relief centers in Warangal city and another set of 1,000 people have been shifted to relief centers in Mangapet. Most people in this center are from villages that were situated on the banks of river Godavari. Meanwhile, the death toll in landslides in Kerala's Iduki district rose to 58 with the discovery of two more bodies. A search is on to find 12 more people who went missing after the landslide. The landslide had occurred in a tea estate on August 7th after a hill caved in due to heavy rainfall. And now for some international updates. Worldwide, coronavirus cases have surpassed 21.6 million. While more than 13.6 million people have recovered, more than 774,000 have died. The number of deaths in the US alone has crossed 170,000. The country has so far recorded 5.4 million cases, a number that experts warn may be lower than the actual figure as America has not yet increased testing. Australia reported the deadliest day of the pandemic with 25 fatalities from coronavirus in the last 24 hours and 282 new cases in the state of Victoria. After coronavirus cases re-emerged in the country, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern deferred the upcoming elections by four weeks to October 17th. Voting was originally expected to take place on September 19th, but the reporting of COVID-19 cases in Auckland last week after 102 days without community transmission sent the city back into lockdown. Ardern said, and I quote, this decision gives all parties time over the next nine weeks to campaign and the Election Commission enough time to ensure that an election can go ahead. Unquote. Four new cases of COVID-19 with no known source were found in a household in Auckland on August 11th. There are now 49 confirmed cases in the island nation. After Lebanon registered a record 439 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, the caretaker government's health minister said that the country should be locked down for two weeks. Meanwhile, Japan's economy shrank by 27.8% in the April to June quarter. Local media reported that this is the country's worst drop since World War II. The Chinese company CanSino Biologics has won a patent approval from Beijing for its coronavirus candidate AD5NCOV. This is the first vaccine patent granted by China. Also, Malaysia has detected a new strain of COVID-19 that has been found to be 10 times more infectious. The mutation, called D614G, was found in at least three of the 45 cases in a cluster that started from a restaurant owner who returned from India and breached his 14-day home quarantine. The man has since been sentenced to five months in prison and fined. The strain was also found in another cluster involving people returning from the Philippines. The Director General of Health, Noor Hisham Abdullah, said, and I quote, the strain could mean that existing studies on vaccines may be incomplete or ineffective against the mutation. People need to be worried and take greater precaution because this strain has now been found in Malaysia. Unquote. In a letter released on Monday, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, accused President Trump of a campaign to sabotage the election. This comes after the USPS or the US Postal Service warned that millions of mail ballots may not arrive in time to be counted in the election. Critics blamed the new USPS head, who is a loyal supporter of the president, for a slowdown in deliveries. A record number of people are expected to vote by mail ahead of the 3rd of November presidential election due to the pandemic. The president, meanwhile, has repeatedly and falsely been claiming that mail-in ballots will lead to voting fraud and give a boost to his rival Democrat Joe Biden. 
However, experts say that mail-in voting system, which Trump himself uses, is safe from tampering. Pelosi criticized plans by the USPS's new head, Louis DeJoy, which she said would degrade the Postal Service, delay the mail, and according to the Postal Service itself, threaten to deny the ability of eligible Americans to cast their votes through the mail in the upcoming elections in a timely fashion. She added, and I quote, Lives, livelihoods and the life of our American democracy are under threat from the president. Unquote. Nancy Pelosi said she would call on the House of Representatives to vote in on a new bill to prohibit the USPS from introducing any changes to the service or operations it provided at the beginning of this year or in the upcoming weeks. A date for the vote has not been announced yet. She also joined a number of Democrats in calling on DeJoy and another senior USPS figure to testify at an urgent hearing of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform on 24th August. Democrats, including former President Barack Obama, have accused Trump of attacking the postal voting and the USPS in a bid to undermine the elections. President Trump has previously told the media that he would be blocking additional funding for the financially troubled agency because he opposes mail-in voting. He said, and I quote, Now they need that money in order to make the post office work so it can take in all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now, if we don't make a deal, that means they don't get the money. That means they cannot have universal mail-in voting, they just can't have it. Unquote. In this week's episode of News Laundry Hafta, Abhinandan Sekri, Manisha Pandey, Raman Kirpal, Mehraj Lone were joined by Hartosh Singh Bal, who is the political editor of the Caravan magazine. They talked about Kamala Harris being announced as the presumptive Democratic candidate for Vice President of the United States and the reactions from the Hindu right in India and the US. They also discussed Harris's controversial career as an attorney general and the newfound disillusionment in her campaign after the Indian media discovered that Harris believes in human rights. You can listen to the podcast titled Hafta Episode 289, Attack on Caravan Journalists, Kamala Harris and Zumato's Period Leave Policy on our website newslaundry.com. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.